Welcome back to the podcast and to a new series of episodes that will lead us through the last few hours of Jesus' life as recorded by the Gospel writer John. Over the next several weeks, we'll be diving deep into John chapters 13 through 17, and we look forward to having you join us. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hello, and welcome back to our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. As we've mentioned over the past couple of weeks, we drew to a close the last grouping of podcast episodes that we've been doing on leadership. And so today we're starting a brand new study, and we are going to turn to John chapter 13 today. And over the next several weeks, we're going to study through John 13 through 17. This is a a beautiful picture of the last several hours of Jesus' life, and it's going to be an opportunity for us to really dive deep into what Jesus was dealing with and the interactions that he was having and the thoughts that he was having in the last moments even of his life. And so we're going to spend a few weeks looking through this part of the Gospel of John. So Jeremy's going to give us just a little bit of a backdrop so as to set the context for us, because unlike the other Gospels, the timeline for this part of Jesus' life really slows down in the Gospel of John. It's very unique in the way that John writes about this time period of Jesus' life. And sometimes it can be difficult to read through multiple chapters while realizing you're only covering a few hours of time. And, And so before we start diving too deeply into the text, we wanted to just give a little bit of context and set the stage a little bit so that we're all on the same page of where we are and really where we're going over the next several weeks. So Jeremy, if you want to give us just a little bit of background and context as to where we are here in John chapter 13, then we can start diving into the text. Yeah, you made a you know a, a really good point. When it comes certainly to the Gospel of John, he goes about it a little bit differently timeline-wise than the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we, we often refer to them as the synoptic Gospels. A lot of times they'll group some things together. I mean, they are still loosely chronological. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to begin with the, you know, the birth of Jesus, and they'll end with his death and his resurrection and ascension even. And so there's still a, a loose chronology that's given to us there. But John really kind of seems to follow that. Mm-hmm. But what else is really interesting is a huge chunk of his book is really the last week of Jesus's life. And as you made mention, John 13 through 17 is just the last hours even before he finishes this conversation, goes into the garden, and is, and is arrested uh, fairly quickly. And so it, it really gives us a unique picture into Jesus and what he's thinking, what he's feeling, and I think in a lot of ways his relationship with his closest of disciples, the apostles specifically. You know, you think about Jesus, and, you know, we often think about his teaching, and, you know, maybe we, we picture him up on a mountain uh, with thousands around him as he's teaching, as he was apt to do, and on many different occasions. John's gospel will, you know, at times give us pictures of Jesus even in more intimate settings, a one-on-one often, such as he does with Nicodemus in John 3, or the woman at the well in John 4. There's also certainly pictures given to us like he does in John 6, where there's thousands of people, mm-hmm. of course, that is there listening to Jesus as he feeds uh, them there in John chapter 6. And so you have all of these you know, varying pictures, but what we get here in John chapter 13 
is Jesus acutely aware of the timing of everything. You see that really in his prayer in John 17. He, he understands where he is time-wise. He understands. He's always understood about what was going to happen. And now he is acutely aware, as we made mention, uh, of the timing of everything, that this is the end. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. He, he knows all of these things. And he's, you see him now, he's kind of shared some of these things with the apostles in the past. They're struggling to understand all of what he says. But now he ramps that up in this final conversation. And it, it really is an interesting picture you know, whether you want to call it, you know, uh, the last words of Jesus, you know, what we often talk about, you know, the words that you know, people have on their deathbed or, you know, the very last things that they offer. And there's a little bit of that here for sure, but it, it just is a really interesting study to see the direction that Jesus wants to go here, knowing this is the very last conversation that he's going to have with them before his crucifixion. And John, as you made mention, as he records this for us, really slows down. And we get a really in-depth picture about what this night was like. And not just to mention that they were there and Jesus taught a few things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, that, as you made mention, encompass probably just a few hours, but we get almost the entirety, it seems, of what their conversation was. Yeah, one of the things we're going to do, uh, starting with this series, is we're going to try and read the section of text that we're going to be talking about uh, during the podcast episode, just so that we know a lot of people who are listening to this, maybe you're in your car or something like that, so we want to make sure we give you what the Bible has to say before we start talking too much in depth about this. So we're going to read John 13, 1 through 17. And then we'll start uh, discussing a little bit in detail about what we're reading. So John 13, beginning in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, "'Lord, are you washing my feet?' Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew he would betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken their garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, Jeremy, you talked about already the fact that this really begins this moment in time with his disciples at the end. You know, this, if you're thinking about it on the days of the week, this is probably Thursday evening. By Friday afternoon, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And so again, the, the timeline is very condensed, and this is beginning this conversation and this portion of teaching that's really going to continue over the next several chapters. And I think it's interesting that all of this begins with this act of servitude on Jesus' part. So everything that's going to follow, all of the teaching, the very in-depth nature of all of that that's going to follow, it all begins with this moment of servitude and humility on Jesus's part. And I think that really, to me, as I was reading through this again, thinking about that really began to put some of the other teachings that Jesus is going to lead into in better perspective for me when I think about his own posture and his own humility as all of this begins. Yeah, you know, as I was uh, reading this and, and then reading it again, you know, just now, it, you know, in a lot of ways, this is a I was trying to think of a better word to kind of come up with it, but I can't. So I'll just kind of go with it's a living parable, you know, in a lot of That's ways. A good way I mean, of it. you know, you know, Jesus, you know, he taught my parable all the time, and it would be, you know, one of those very everyday, you know, kind of story that he would tell that people would be familiar with. He would use an everyday thing or item. And uh, he would make reference to it in some way and then, you know, spin that into a spiritual application. And there, there would be very simple, very easy to understand, and that would be, a, you know, a huge part of his teaching. And he, he uses that same technique here. But it's just very active. There's no words necessarily being used until, you know, until he makes the point really at the very end. But he's just, now he's acting it out. Now, he could have told the story. He could have said, you know, imagine if there is a master of the house and he goes into his servant's quarters and he and he girds himself with a towel and he leans over. and He could have said that, mm-hmm. but he doesn't here. He, he, acts, he, he acts that out himself. And... It, it had to have been a powerful moment mm-hmm. of confusion. I think you get yep. that, you know, from Peter. I think we may talk about him, I'm sure, here in just a moment. You know, oftentimes we jump on Peter for being, you know, pretty quick with his speech. I don't know if that's the case here. Um, he seems to be heading off in a direction that I would, I'll admit I probably would head off into sure. pretty quickly. But it, it just seems to confuse them at first. And there's not a lot of words spoken. It doesn't seem that he provides a lot of setup even for this. He is just kind of there. They're at dinner. Dinner is over. He gets up. He quietly girds himself with a towel. He gets on the ground, and he just begins washing feet. And it would have been a stunning thing. And it's so interesting, as you made mention, that this is the beginning, really, mm-hmm. of this lengthy conversation that this very simple teaching about the importance of service, right? And he uses himself as an example that no one is above service. And if I'm not above service, then you need not to be above service, especially thinking about each other, which will really come into play when you get into the book of Acts. Yeah, you pointed out a moment ago about how, how Jesus understood everything that was about to happen and we even get that indication at the beginning that he knew his hour had come. He knew what Judas was going to do to him. There was nothing hidden from Jesus about what was about to transpire. And you would think if there was 
ever a time in Jesus' life where he's going to make something about him, it would be right now. This is it, guys. This is the reason I've come. This is what I came to do. I'm about to accomplish God's will. This is what's going to happen to me. You would think if he was ever going to turn the spotlight on himself, this would be the time. And yet it's in that moment that John points out that Jesus knew all of these things, and he took that opportunity to do the exact opposite and to to take a position of servitude. And how powerful that must have been. Uh, You mentioned in the moment, probably very confusing. But even Jesus alludes to the fact that when all of this is said and done, you're going to be able to look back on this. And this is going to be a really powerful example of what servitude is like and what leadership truly is and what his purpose in coming to earth was all about. And so I can only imagine in the days and weeks and months and years that passed, the disciples had an opportunity to reflect back on this event that took place. And I have to imagine the words that Jesus spoke here and the actions that he took just became more and more powerful to them as they were able to see all of this unfold and realize what he was doing here in the moment. And that to me is just, you know, Peter is the one who asks the question, kind of, Lord, why are you washing my feet? But I think, you know, it's certainly fair to think he wasn't the only one thinking it. Now, maybe he was the only one bold enough to question it, but certainly I think everybody else was thinking it. But I just wonder if, if as the time went by, if they were able to reflect on this and how their viewpoint of what Jesus did here had changed and just made so much, it just became so much more significant to them over time. I think the reason that Peter says what he does, certainly in the way that he says it, is because of the extreme nature of this type of service. You know, often Jesus will operate in extremes and Mm -hmm. the what he says and the way that he operates and it's easy to make a point that way, and you know th- this is we we you know this is a cultural thing in a lot of ways. I mean, we you know we wash our own feet, we take a shower, we we wash our feet. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. We don't have necessarily that dirty of feet, right? right? We've got shoes and socks on most of the time, and, and it's just you know it's not that you know big of a deal. But here. The, their feet were dirty all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, they would have a sandal of some sort on, and they don't have concrete paved roads right. <laughs> as we do. I mean, there was dirt just everywhere. Yeah. And and what Jesus does is th- this is not a holding a door open for somebody coming in, or, or where it's not someone drops their purse and you pick it up and hand it to them, right? Those are nice things to do. But what he does here is extreme service, that this is the lowest of the low. This is the extreme. And so he's making the point, if, if, you're, if you can, in your mindset, be willing to go here with your service, then you're going to be willing to go anywhere. You're going to be willing to do anything for anybody. If you're willing to get on the ground and wash their feet, which is the extreme, then you're going to be willing to do anything short of that which is lots of things. And so it's just such an interesting thing. And I think that goes to, you know, Peter's, the way he, you know, handles it, where he's, he's just confused. He's like, don't, you, you, you need not to be on the ground. You need not to be washing, you know, my feet. That is beneath you in some way. But, you know, Jesus is, he, you know, he nips that in the bud pretty quick. And, and Peter maybe begins to understand it a little bit, but you're right. It's really interesting that it is later that they're able to kind of look back and see this. I think there's a, just a point of application that we can take from all of this is, you know, if we're trying to mimic Jesus in our own lives, we're trying to be like him in the way that we interact with other people, 
What Jesus does here is he acts so selflessly that it makes other people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we should all be trying to do. I want to be so selfless and so giving of myself and my time that it actually makes other people uncomfortable at times because it's so countercultural. It's so outside the way that especially the American mind thinks and is trained to think that that level of selflessness and humility makes people uncomfortable. That's what Jesus did here. What he was doing made Peter very uncomfortable. He, he was really bothered by what was happening here. And I think that that should be something that, that I consider from time to time. Like we see even people who aren't necessarily religious in any way, you know, they can be hu- humble. They can be giving of themselves and their time. Christians should be the most selfless people in the world. We should be the most humble people in the world, the most giving people in the world, so much so that it makes the world uncomfortable because they're like, this is not the way normal people behave and act. And that's right. This isn't the way normal people behave and act. This is the way Christ-like people behave and act. And I think Jesus is setting a really good example, certainly for his disciples, as they're going to have to go and begin teaching the gospel, and they're going to have to be very selfless in the way that they treat other people. But I think he's setting a great example for us to follow as well the, to the extreme nature in which we're supposed to take this act of service. Yeah, and I mean, that ultimately is his you know, the punch of his teaching, right? That this is an, an example. You know, he makes the point, you know, he kind of seems to do this silently in a little bit. He has this little back and forth with Peter, of course, but it, it is until he's done, right? And, and he's, he's now going to make the point. And that's the point that he makes, that if I'm willing to, you call me master and teacher and you're right to do so, but if I'm willing to go to this extreme in my service, you should be willing to do that. And he, he'll say in a very straightforward kind of way, this this is an example for you. Verse 15, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. It doesn't get any more straightforward, right. you know, in that. And maybe that goes to yeah. the timing of this. Again, we've made mention, this is at the very final hours that he's going to be spending with them before his crucifixion. And a lot of the teaching that comes out in 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is pretty straightforward at mm-hmm. times. Or if they seem to be confused, we'll see this a little bit in chapter 14, he he, he helps them with that very, very quickly to, to kind of see it a little bit clearer. And so he doesn't want any confusion here. What I have done in this extreme act of service is an example. You should be willing to do that. And it's really a perfect picture of Jesus. I mean, that's why throughout the New Testament, in the the epistles and in in other places, we're constantly asked to, to look at Jesus, to focus on him, the way that he was, the way that he interacted, the way that he spoke the way that he handled temptation. I mean, he held, he had to deal with life in every way that we did. And so we're able to look to him and say, well, how did he deal with that? And now we're able to follow his example, and this certainly is included. I think it's interesting, too, where you know, so much of, of Jesus' persona is uh, he is a king. You know, he'll be described as you know, the, the great son of God, the, the savior of the world. He's He's the redeemer of mankind. You get this royal, kingly imagery of Jesus oftentimes, and rightfully so. He is Lord and King in in every aspect. And yet he also wants to make sure we understand that he came to serve. 
And he came to take on that humble role of leaving heaven and coming to earth and to be the servant to the people that God needed and wanted him to be. And so it's this interesting dichotomy between these two aspects of Jesus' character, and we see the the servant aspect of this on display. And I think it's really fascinating that this is the one that he chooses to highlight again at the very end. He has had to battle throughout his ministry the fact that many people believe that the Messiah was going to come as this great warrior who is going to defeat Rome and going to lead the Israelites back to this prominence that they had once held. And he had to battle that to say, listen, I'm not here for any of that. I'm not here to overthrow Rome. I'm not here to be a military leader. That's not why I came. And so I think when here at the very end, when he chooses to highlight this element of servitude, I think he's even further driving that home. Here at the very end, he's not talking about himself as a king or anything like that, even though that's all true. He's highlighting the fact that he is a servant. And I think that really tells us a lot about the lasting image that Jesus wanted us to have of him. He is our king. He is our deliverer. But he was a servant while he was here. He was a servant teacher, a servant leader. And that's the role that he wants us to take on today. He wants us to be that servant leader and that servant teacher in the world today, just as he was. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to dig too deep into this because we'll certainly be talking about it next week. But, you know, at the end of this chapter, you start to see why he wants to begin with this mindset of service, because he's going to take it to the selfless love that we need to have for one another. And if we're going to have that level of love, we have to have the mindset of being a servant. And he'll use, he'll kind of toss in Judas and the fact that he's not, he's not going to have that. And so this mindset of service, you have to have. And what, to me, one of the most interesting things, you know, besides you know, the interaction with him and Peter has always been interesting to me because I, I can see myself there, how put aback I would be uh, uh, that if Jesus were to do something like this in the moment that he does it. But it's, it's how Jesus kind of ends this conversation where you have this extreme level of servitude. I don't know how many times you know, that these apostles had washed anyone else's feet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was it would have been a common occurrence for them to be washing other people's feet. I just don't think that it would. And, and so it, it's such a low level of, of thing in their mind. And so Jesus talks to them about service, and he says, listen, I'm an example. you got to do as I do. But then in verse 17, he says, if you know these things— Blessed are you if you do them. And so you have this this word that we see like in the Beatitudes in Matthew mm. chapter 5. And it's, you know, we often will say that's kind of translated happy, happy are you if you're persecuted for righteousness sake. It's kind of, you know, it's got an interesting connotation to it. But if you think about what he's saying here, listen, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you, if you be this level of servant... Mm. That's the best way to go. That's the, the, the most blessed way to go. It's even a happy, a cheerful way to go. It's that, you know, the same connotation, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? That seems to be something counterintuitive, right? It seems certainly, and it is to culture, mm-hmm. to the point that you made earlier. It just stands out. It is so incredibly different, this level of service. 
so incredibly different than the way the world operates. But Jesus will say, listen, it is the best way to go about it. You will be blessed in doing this. And it, to me, it is such an interesting way to kind of end this conversation. Yeah, it is. And it, it just brings to, to thought how important it is as a follower of Jesus to, to have this attitude just ingrained within me. It has to be who I am. And, and it's not, it doesn't come naturally to us. I mean, you think about, you know, young children when they're, you know, first born or even as toddlers, you know, everything's about them, right? That's their whole world is what do I need? Who's going to give it to me? That, that's the way they think. They have to be trained to think about others as they grow, as they mature, as they develop. And the same is true as Christians. We have to be able to progress from a very selfish mindset about what is Jesus doing for me? What is the church doing for me? What is the preacher teaching for me? What, we, have to, we have to be able to move past that and mature and grow and develop and take on this selfless mentality where now I'm always looking outward. What can I do for others? How can I help someone else? What can I do to encourage someone and when we begin to train ourselves into that mindset, that is an act of growing to be more like Jesus in every way. But we have to work at that. We have to be constantly reminded. That's why I think even though we may feel like John 13 through 17 are likely passages and chapters that many of the people who are listening are probably extremely familiar with. You've read them a bunch of times. You've studied them a bunch of times. But it's still really important to go back and read passages like this time and time again, because we all have to be reminded of how important it is every single day that I'm taking on the mindset that Jesus had here. I am waking up every day looking for ways in which I can serve other people. And when we start to think that way, and that starts to become second nature to us, that's when we're really beginning to mold our lives and our character into what Jesus was. I mean, that should be the goal of all of us, but it's going to be something that we have to work at. Yeah, I think you're right on about that. And I think ultimately that's what Jesus's point was here, that this is, has to be who you are. Mm-hmm. And what's going to be interesting is he is, you th- You want to talk about this uh, being an extreme example of service? We've made mention, even though it's several pages from where we are in our Bibles, he is hours from even going further than washing their feet by way of example that they'll be able to look to and remember even back to this that will hammer that point down even further. That's a great point. We'll go ahead and stop there for the day. Um, As I mentioned, we'll pick up in, in verse number 18 of John 13 next week, and we'll continue our study through chapter 17 over the next several weeks to come. So hopefully you can join us for those. Hopefully you can maybe take some time to read through these chapters on your own. It's a really good study and one that I'm really looking forward to. So thank you all for joining us, and we'll do it again next week.